0: when this boy meets world what up bros what up bros and welcome to Breath meets world when it's bros meets world your boy meets world funcast i am siege i am tonathy coitus <laughs> how <are> you, sir? <laughs> and we are excited <laughs> to be back for another episode how you been what's up
1: you know what been pretty good Um, I'm a little sad that this season's coming to an end. I have to be honest. Are you? Are you I know (laughs) this season is not serving, don't get me wrong. I understand that there's lots of flaws, even in this episode. Like, I can't wait to get going on it. But, you know, as the season kind of winds up, I'm like, man, we only have one season left. We're just getting to like towards the end of the road of our podcast in general. And, you know, it's just I'm getting a little sentimental.
0: I understandably, it's so funny. I was talking to someone on um I think it was our YouTube and they were talking about how this season six has been very divisive. Like <laughs> it, As it, it should has, be. <laughs> it has a lot going on. Not all what I thought it would, but it, I'll say this. Listening to the pod podcast, uh, I can tell they're saying all these people left at a specific time and I'm like, oh yeah, you can tell. You can tell by the quality. <laughs> uh, people started jumping ship. You don't have the same people working on this show. Yeah, I I don't I like this episode is a perfect example of what are we doing? <laughs> This episode is really interesting. Be-
1: all right. Well, I guess we're going to get into it. We can wait. Yeah. We can- all right.
0: So in the in the meantime, uh, before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to all of our listeners who have been sending us your emails and recordings. We love hearing from you. Uh, if you want to share your thoughts, make sure that you email us a question and or leave a voice recording on our website. Uh, someone pointed out that last week's episode, The Truth About Honesty, was one of the episodes that has been banned from Disney. Which is why you may not remember it. It's one of those episodes. Remember how you kept being like, oh, "I don't really."
1: To- yeah, I that you know why? Because of the friends. What benefits thing? That's so interesting. You know what? If you had asked me what episodes got banded, I I wouldn't have included this. But that's just shows how my knowledge they really got cut. I never and saw and it in syndication. That,
0: and then also this particular episode, the one that we're about to review, also uh, mostly cut from the disney channel like they don't like they air really in, in bits. i don't know how much they fill up with commercials but yeah it's noted as one of the ones on disney channel that is reduced heavily when in syndication so
1: wow interesting hey a quick factoid about uh, just another episode the episode be true that we did a few weeks ago i didn't realize until afterwards and i should have brought it up on the episode directed by mickey dolan's drummer and lead singer of The Monkees, who appeared in Rave On in season three.
0: Oh, wow. They, like, it's funny to see how much they do bring people back. And also, there were so many episodes where you and I have talked about and we were like, this feels different and yeah. <laughs> again i'm starting to see why i'm like no. if
1: you've ever watched an episode of the monkeys be true just fits in like it's it's <laughs> the chaos
0: it all makes sense you're like mm, some that those 60 psychedelics starting to make sense
1: i mean don't get me wrong love the monkeys love mickey dolan's but yeah that episode was
0: uh not my favorite of the bunch uh, absolutely uh and then finally we want to give a special request to all of our listeners you guys we're on a mission for 1,000 youtube subscribers so Hey-o. do us a favor hit that follow button if you're watching this on youtube thank you if you're not get on over there and click subscribe subscribe
1: uh, share let's let people know what's going on we out here absolutely we in these streets uh we Ooh. in these
0: streams
1: <laughs> in these streams in their dreams
0: i, do it when, I the said, when i said streams i was like he's gonna he's gonna make a dreams connection uh so that to me says uh are you ready to just get into it yeah should we do a tell us about it all right you gotta give me a tell okay. us <clears it.
1: throat> Tell us about it. Corey dreams of killing Sean over and over. It's no mistake. Meanwhile, Eric moves in with a new
0: Norman Bates. Brava! Brava! <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is season six, episode 21, the psychotic episode. Mm. Very aptly named. (laughs) Uh, When Corey has nightmares in which a reoccurring theme finds him trying to kill Sean in imaginative ways, he goes to Feeney for an interpretation. In a B storyline, Eric finds a new but odd roommate, one who seems to have seen Psycho one too many times. There we go. That's it. That's your summary. Uh, before we get started with our discussion, let's go through the list of guest stars, uh, specifically because it weighs in on my reception of this episode. Uh, Interesting. We okay. We Carly Newmark as Adam. Um, we get Leslie Donnan as Sheila. Both I looked them up, both character actors in the 90s, uh, the nanny and stuff like that. Um, and then we get Lauren Cardellini, which Linda was Cardellini. Uh, Linda Cardellini, yeah. which was amazing to me because when I was taking notes and it said Linda Cardellini, I was like, no, I think <laughs> I was like, this feels like a typo. Someone forgot to remove. And so when she showed up, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. So
1: I knew it. Okay. So way back when, when you were like, is this the last time we're going to see Lauren? I was like, hold off. She makes a cameo appearance later on. And this was the episode where that cameo appearance was made. And
0: yeah, I mean, lots to talk about. A lot to talk about. You know what I really want to talk about when I get into my first impressions? Good hair episode. Like, ooh, it's a really good hair ad. Corey's hair is looking good. One of the first notes that I had I was like, Corey's looking good. And that hair is, is sitting just right. And then Eric's hair is at a 12. Uh, even the new guy, Adam, good hair good hair episode
1: again if michael jacob's name is on it the <laughs> hair is herring he will not allow it any other way
0: absolutely uh i just i just wanted to point that out what were your first impressions uh, again we're gonna go with the a storyline being Corey b sean mm-hmm. b storyline which we will get to later is eric's hunt for and- a place to live totally um you know right off the bat i immediately looked up
1: the air date because i was like is this a friday the 13th like there there was just like a creepy like nightmare on elm street type of thing happening with the a storyline and then the psycho kind of thing happening with the b storyline so i thought was there something going on maybe on the tgif lineup or whatever but no we're like into sweeps month this is like may leading into the finale and so this is like typically when shows put out their strongest episodes to build up momentum for a finale. And I just don't know that Boy Meets World understood that assignment. So I completely agree.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, One of the notes that I have is that this heavily mimics Sean's and then there was Sean episode where Sean is also like murdering his friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to kind of get a repeat of that and nothing really new Felt like ground we'd covered before.
1: Yeah, and I mean to just kind of loosely touch on it, the B storyline felt so much like, and I know you're going to get this reference, the one where Eddie moves in
0: and friends. <laughs> I was I was going to get there when we go there. It just felt everything felt like <sighs> treaded territory. Like we've we've done all of this. I'm not really feeling like we're getting anything. And a lot of the episode felt like to me anyway, like. Oh like we've had in the last few episodes where we would hit on something intelligent or something worth discussing and then it would be undercut almost immediately you know like just, whether it was undercut by it being a dream and you're like oh yeah. this was a really wise thing for someone to say ah, it was a dream person doesn't really matter or um just like again with like the comedy or the quote unquote comedy of the situation so
1: i i just felt like even if you're able to see this episode for what they want us to see it as, it's just like a fun, silly, goofy episode with a bunch of crazy dream sequences. There's some great jokes in here. I actually, this is one of the first episodes in a long time where I liked Corey in it. Really? Maybe more than the other episodes. Like, you know, really? we'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But um, I found him more likable in this episode than most episodes. The the, the the overall lesson of this episode, the big takeaway
0: is kind of like that's what a bit by its undercut.
1: <laughs> I not even undercut. I just don't know if it's a good lesson that they should be teaching. I don't know about this idea that you need to kill off everyone else in your life so you can be completely codependent.
0: dependent. Like I don't know. I, it's a weird lesson. So ugh. no, absolutely. Like there's like like we're getting right into it. Um. So as we've talked about where he has had several dreams about killing Sean. Um, Feeny gives him some advice, but turns out that's dream Feeny. Um, So he goes to the real Feeny for advice, and the real Feeny... Again, for me, I'm like... A, I had to remind myself they don't have Google. So I'm like, why don't you just like do your own research? <laughs> but like, that doesn't mean like Google's the only research. You actually have a library that can tell you about dreams. But instead he just goes straight to Phoenix. Wait, him, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Can we just
1: pause it just real fast? Cause we kind of paced, uh, went over this and this was just something I know that I was like, I need to talk to CJ about <laughs> Did you notice that the episode opens with the dream sequence? It's the dream sequence of, it's the first time Sean gets pushed down the elevator shaft. But it starts with Rachel. She kisses both Corey and Sean and then makes out with Eric before going into the room to have a throuple situation with with, uh, Rachel and, and Jack. And I just thought that was really interesting on so many levels that... This is Corey's first fantasy come to life. And the first thing we see is Rachel being overly sexualized in a position where she essentially has made that with every guy on set at this point. Um and I also thought that in Corey's imagination, he, it was interesting that he saw them as a thruple as well. The thing that we keep saying is the thing that he kind of personified within his first dream. I just thought all of that was very fascinating.
0: Well, uh, I agree with you in that sense. It does make sense, especially at the end of the episode, when we see why Corey is having these dreams in the beginning. It makes sense that uh rachel is there and he is kind of living out this pseudo sex dream uh i immediately was like things are way too like i feel like too many jumps have happened or i feel like something's missing that i immediately knew it was a dream sequence i was like something's off so immediately got there but to your point um i think it's kind of sad that um rachel's character is something where i'm just like oh yeah you're being sexualized and just uh, for lack of better words eye candy uh not surprised well, just, and that's just that's run of the mail <laughs> again just like when you
1: hear the interviews that Maitland ward gives and then you watch episodes like this where she just kisses every guy for seemingly no reason like it's just like oh yeah i can see why you have the impression you have of your time on the show
0: absolutely and then uh, but. What I did notice was Sean is the like the entrance level of Corey being like, Oh, I'm giving up everything. Mm. And I thought that was very interesting. Like, it could have started with Rachel and it could have had Linda Cardellini the entire time. There could have been several girls going in and out. Like, this could have just been about Corey with different girls and like he's dream cheating and all this other stuff. But instead, it's kind of saying Corey feels like he has to give up his friendship in order to make room for Topanga. And I find that very interesting of an idea to discuss as someone who got engaged young, as Corey did. But to your point, I don't think they landed the message correctly. (laughs) No, not at all.
1: I mean, first of all... episode literally takes 20 minutes for Corey to even realize that that's what this dream is about it's so like the episode is so full of just the jokes of him being sleep deprived which again I actually enjoyed those jokes I thought that Ben Savage was the most likable when I recognized him as sleep deprived because as a sleep deprived person I've been that person who could just be like Eric I can't even deal with you I'm just gonna push you out of the room I can't talk about this right now Uh, but the message the message at the root of all of it you can't have anyone else in your life you have to kill everyone for your partner and that it just it's a recipe for codependency and it's like seen as the preferred way to be specifically for children watching the show it's it's very yeah
0: no absolutely like what what i was waiting for because again i haven't seen this and i did not know i was like oh he's very clearly making room for to knew that that was the conclusion actually i was really shocked when uh lauren showed up and was like i'm everything you're giving up i was like oh we're going there and i That's thought it would end yeah. with Corey be like being like, I'm giving up everything. Like, that's where I thought it would end. But then when she said goodbye, I was like, oh, clearly you're making all this room for Topanga. But Mm -hmm. again, I expected the show to be like, and that's bad. That's a fear. I expected, especially with Topanga being there when he woke up, for the show to give Topanga a line where Corey says, hey, this is what I was dreaming about. And Topanga says, that's very normal. But you don't have to give up your life. We, our friends, are a big part of our lives. We just will explore this next phase of our lives as a couple. Like you know, nope. like that's what I thought they would do. But instead, Domingo leaves, and then he just asked Sean all these things, and I was like, "Well, all right. Well, first of all, you're clearly not removing Sean from the situation, considering that you didn't confide in your partner." Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think we. <sighs> to your your point
1: the message that's coming across is this idea that even though Corey is feeling a little bit of anxiety about this pressure to give up everyone in his life for topanga which was nothing that was put onto him nope let's talk about that this is just a fear that lives within him this is an anxiety that's within him that he needs to explore He is unwilling to explore it, and the show almost makes it seem like it's a preferred thing for Corey to just go along with everything, despite any red flags that he might be feeling. I would argue that by them having room in their relationship for individuality and community, that it would only serve to strengthen their marriage versus these things needing to be sacrificed. so that they can grow and have this acceptable form of codependency It, it just feels like a terrible message for children and again they're 19 why does he need to give up his entire life he hasn't even had a life yet
0: it's so crazy but i love what you said which is that this episode paints it as if that's what topanga's asking of him and it's not. Nope. Topanga hasn't said these words. Topanga did not ask him to give up his friends and his family and everything else. Um, his all she asked for—experience.
1: All <laughs> she asked for was his
0: toothbrush. Yeah. That's all. She <laughs> and he fought doing that. But I think it's very interesting that this episode comes after that, where yeah. he feels like he's giving up so much um and he feels like he has to like he feels like he has to kill Sean in order to get married and okay, that's okay. very telling and to your point
1: like he is feeling all of these things okay so there's one point where Uh, there's a very nightmare on elm street scene where Corey like has a nightmare in his class and we as the audience don't realize it's a nightmare until it's already happening he's killing sean he wakes up and he's like die sean die and sean is overhearing this the whole class is hearing this right (sighs) yes this episode is about Corey's nightmares and it's easy to sympathize with him because he's sleep deprived and he has this dream of killing his friend that's very sad whatever but if you've been paying attention to Corey all season long like I have <laughs> you you have witnessed this motherfucker cross everyone's boundaries manipulate his fiance disregard his mother's life his newborn brother's life when it was not able to personally benefit him and just last week we were shown that Corey can't properly communicate his own boundaries or his anger in a healthy way which can lead to violent outbursts which we have also seen this season with stewart so if i am sean And I see that this motherfucker is this close to just losing his shit. And he is saying that he wants to kill me publicly. I have every right to take him for his word. Yes, he's my best friend. Yeah, it's all playful. Ha ha ha. But have you been paying attention to this dude, really? Because what he is capable of is if you had told me that he was capable of... Uh, shaming Topanga for not going out to dinner with him as his baby brother was struggling for his life. I would Two years ago, I'd have been like, no, that's not Corey. If you would have told me that, like, oh, he had an issue with the teacher, and instead of just going to the dean, he just socked the teacher, pushed him down in front of everyone, would not have painted that for Corey. Who knows what Corey is capable of? And if he is dreaming this, I don't know. I just felt like, Sean, if I were you, I would go, hey, brother, I need to sleep with you for a few nights until my roommate works this shit out because it's crazy.
0: You say, Sean, you in danger, girl. (laughs) You
1: in danger. Take the red flags for what it is. This episode is full of white males showing red flags that people ignore.
0: See, I don't know. I feel like the show and his friends and just pretty much where everyone's at with Corey is, (laughs) yeah, you know, like, of course you are. Of course you don't know how to process your... Process your emotions, of course, you're acting out. <laughs> um, like it feels I'm not saying that it is harmless, I'm saying that the show kind of is just like it's Corey being Corey again. Like, I feel like I don't know if like it's the actors or if it's the script, but everyone just kind of seems over Corey's nonsense. You,
1: you know what <laughs> really catapults this idea over the edge for me is because it is directly tied into the B storyline where there is someone who is like an actual potential threat. And I know we're going to get to that, but I'm just saying like, usually the A and B storyline kind of mirror each other. And so if you have one dude who's basically on the edge of insanity and the other dude who can't stop dreaming about killing people, it just seems to me that maybe they got more in common than they don't.
0: I completely agree with you in the sense that (laughs) it's like what makes one psycho more tolerable than the other. And it's literally just... Again, they're used to Corey's patterns. This is just like, yeah. oh yeah, it's about that time of year. Uh, the only thing I wanted to point out was when you mentioned the classroom. They're reading Hamlet. Uh, mm. Which, again, it's just like, does Feeney know any other literature outside of Shakespeare? <laughs> like, is no. he required in Shakespeare? <laughs> and what is Feeney teaching again? Why are we on Shakespeare? Why are we on Hamlet? Like, I just... is this a
1: history class? <laughs> I, is this an English class? I don't know. He seems to have teach, have taught.
0: Every Shakespearean play. Also, where is Topanga and Angela? Because we know that they're in Feeney's class. Last week, we saw Eric in
1: their class. Like, it's... (laughs) It's, there's no consistency going on here. Um, one thing I do want to say that I thought was really funny was um, at one point, Corey's trying to describe all the ways that he kills Sean. And I actually thought that was pretty funny. He's like, I fed you thumbtack soup. I shredded you over pasta with a cheese grater. He also tells the story where he dressed Sean up like a chicken and entered him into a cockfight.
0: <laughs> it's it's, stupid. Actually, it's, like, it's um, so stupid. It, but to your point, I kind of wish that we had shown more attempts like i want there to just be like a groundhog's day situation if they don't like have the that... budget they well, don't I know have the that. budget like th- this this episode was a lot of showing and not telling like it, from the, the <laughs> fact of sean coming in and being like hey we gotta um do something about your boy he kept me up all night and all." i was like again why can't you show us this like show us yeah. sean sleep deprived you know what I mean? Like definitely, uh, I, I, it was a lot of telling and not showing. Um, that's just how that's how I felt about it. Yeah, uh, I kind of want to wrap this up so we can get into the. Beast sure, 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 sure. But the- in general, I wanted to say that, as I said earlier, Sean being the symbol to Corey of oh, I'm giving up everything, and I like I I kind of like at the end when Corey goes to Sean and says, "Do you think I'm rushing into marriage?" I was like, "Wow, great." heavy big question asking his best friend and sean's like you've kind of always been rushing into marriage uh that's that's what you do that's who you are and Corey was like i don't want things to change and sean's like well they have to change of course they're going to change and it just kind of ends with Corey being like but i don't want them to and i was like again you didn't really give me an answer you just kind of get left a cliffhanger of Corey's having doubts and you didn't say and that's normal or other people find that's concerning you just kind of left them there and i am interested to see will you give any judgment
1: (laughs) this you're what you're referring to is actually one of my biggest gripes with how this show ends because from this moment out it Poses that the big one of the bigger conflicts amongst the main three characters is this idea of well, now Corey and Topanga are getting married, which means that Topanga is going to be Corey's new best friend, whether Corey or Sean wants it or not. And it just seems like they're making a necessary conflict between Sean and Topanga. They are forcing this idea that Corey has to make Topanga his central focus in his life and completely go against lifelong friendships if it means that he can't be. Be there for her for everything it just feels so unhealthy and just unneeded and it's clearly starting now but even it goes up until their their wedding day and beyond that there's this like unspoken beef between sean and topanga for sean being the best friend that corey wants but can't have because of topanga and we had this episode before like sean's uh and corey hadn't what season four there that girl who didn't like Corey was like you can't be friends with him and topanga's like no i understand the importance of you having a best friend and from this point on it just does not feel like she is on board with that shit
0: well so i i again i don't know what the future episodes have but i will say the idea of exploring like like one of the things that michael jacob always says is it's kind of a love triangle between Corey, Sean, and Topanga, and Corey's love with his best friend, and Corey's love of his life, Topanga. So, I think the idea of this established trio having to confront the fact that one, like one side of the triangle, is literally getting married, and they will be legally the most important people in each other's lives. I like the idea of bringing that up. I like the idea of confronting that. I think it's very normal and accurate, especially considering their ages, for them to bring up, yeah, it was one thing when we were all friends, but what will our group dynamic be like once we're married? I think that that's great that they brought it up. And I think it's great that they constantly are showing Corey have understandable and reasonable reactions to being 19 and being engaged what I don't like is that they never really continue that conversation and have any kind of resolution and they just kind of be like it's like that sometimes anyway he gets married you know (laughs) yeah because to your point it's like
1: I don't mind them having that conversation either because it is very dynamic and like full of uh just kind of everyone's backstories clashing into each other but the problem and I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am, <laughs> is that there's never a balance that's found. It's always this all or nothing. It's either you have Sean in your life as your best friend or as your best friend and you don't get to have Sean in your life. And it just feels like the, a healthy balance was never something that was landed on in a way that I feel like would have ultimately served
0: every character for the better. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like th- when I said... That when Corey woke up and Topanga was there, even, let's even say Topanga and Sean were there, I yeah. think it would have been great for him to be like, "Oh, I had this dreams, and this is what I thought." Corey explaining that, and then Topanga and Sean, or Topanga or Sean or whoever, just kind of being like, "Hey, that's actually pretty normal for you to be thinking about this close to the wedding, and yeah. it doesn't make it doesn't mean anything's wrong, um, and we don't have to give up anything." We just all have to figure out how this works in that next phase. I think that would have been great. But instead, they just kind of presented the problem and said that Corey was unhappy with the problem. And then we just all yep. move on. And that's where I think the real issue is. Um, because you're right. Balance is really important. You need other friends. You need other lifestyles. You need other um safe spaces outside of yep. your partner.
1: You need and, community outside of one person.
0: Everyone does. To your part, it would have been very interesting for Corey. Again, I have no idea, but for Corey to go to Topangan and be like, I can't cut Sean out of my life. You know, like do it in the Corey way where he's like, out of the 11, he's like, you can't make me get rid of Sean. And Topanga's like, "What are you talking about?" But like, for him to be like, "Hey, consider Sean's background. His father just died. His brother and him are estranged. He's never really had stability. I'm the only real family that he has. You can't make me get rid of him." You know, like something like that. And then Topanga's like, "Hey, by the way, you're the only family I have right now."
1: And I also again, and we, have Sean, we, we have Sean. We have Sean to- and Topanga both vying to be the sole. Person in Corey's life, making Corey the center of everything. Topanga needs her own friends. Sean needs his own friends. Everyone needs their own complete support system separate from one person. And yet this show is constantly trying to convince us that one person is solely responsible for your happiness. And you got to find that person, whether it be a best friend or a wife, just can't be both at once. Well, what I'm saying
0: is, at least in this episode, they're not buying for the most important person is making that assumption. And I think that that is worth discussing. I think that's actually notable that no one, no one not Sean, not Topanga, are competing for his attention. This is all internal. These are, You're right. This is anxiety Corey has. And Corey is literally projecting. Like, I think that's worth discussing. And it would have been great had Corey and Topanga, uh, sorry, Sean and Topanga just been like, boy, we've been doing this as a threesome for years ain't nothing gonna change when you get married like you know that would have been reassuring but we just we don't do that yeah yeah. All right.
1: b b story let's get into this
0: okay so the b storyline eric needs some place to live again i understand what you're talking about in the sense of this kind of echoes the quote-unquote psycho um messaging that we were getting from Corey's quote unquote psychotic breakdown again I'm putting all these in quotes because none of them are actually like Corey doesn't actually have a psychotic breakdown and this isn't actually a playoff of psycho <laughs> yeah um but I do wish that we had gotten more of Eric being rejected on screen like his mom coming downstairs and being like look you can't do this anymore. It's disruptive. Give me more of that conversation. It was
1: very interesting... Uh, I'm sorry, just before we move away from him being in the Matthews, it was very interesting to see him back laying on the couch, which is where we saw him in season four when he didn't get into college, when he was that yeah. good-looking guy. He was in the exact same position we found himself in. And so it would have been interesting for him to explore this, like, hey, I went out and tried to go things in the world, and I ended up back on my parents' couch. Like, just give us a little bit more internal dialogue as to what's going on with him as he's being rejected from doesn't place it to It doesn't even have
0: to be internal. Give us Morgan being the... Um, psychologist, you know <laughs> that yep. trope of like the overeducated child. Like, I feel like give us give like Morgan something to do, where he's like uh, all these feelings to Morgan, as if like he's literally laying on the couch, as if it's a therapy session. And Morgan's there, and then Amy's like, "Look, you can't keep doing this." Like, you know five hundred 500 days of summer? Yes, where just Gordon Levitt
1: and Chloe Grace Moretz. Yeah, right. that 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 dynamic. Um, totally. But
0: from there, I wanted more of like when he just shows up at. Corey and sean's place i thought that was funny but i thought it was even more hilarious that the next one he just shows up in topanga's room i I thought it was hilarious give me a scene of topanga or angela or someone being like hey you can't stay here and here are the reasons why like i just there were so many really good setups and i was like oh i'm excited to see where this goes and then it went nowhere except to a completely new character
1: Him showing up in Sean and Eric's room with posters of himself on the wall. Hilarious. The fact that there was not one poster, but a second poster when he left to presume not only am I moving in, but now I'm putting up my headshot as a poster. Amazing. There are some truly like I thought funny moments in this episode from both him and Ben that I just I mean, the episode is so ridiculous, but like they are in
0: their pocket. Oh, well, I feel like Will and Ben do great jobs with what they're given. Ben in the student union begging for a roommate (laughs) and that little back and forth of like the guy being like, hey, I'm also looking for a roommate. And Eric being like, I was here first. Like, again, like that kind of misunderstanding. Very funny. Absolutely applauded Will. However, I did not think this episode was funny. I thought that the performances could be funny, but I didn't think the episode was funny. No, because it doesn't... It do, Here's the thing about,
1: like... And then there was Sean. is such a great episode because not only does it have a fantasy element, but it actually plays into everything that's happening in the show in the way that's really cohesive. We just it feels like they've been trying to give us something similar and just not landing every time. And this episode where you have all of these dream sequences, which you could have had each dream be something different. Like instead of every dream being about Sean, you could have had every, you could have had, you know, Corey revisit John Adams high in a dream. You could have had him like go through his history with Topanga in dreams or something. I don't know. You could have done a lot of fun things with it. There was nothing really that fun about, This other than the jokes of how he would kill Sean, which we never saw.
0: Well, to your point, if we want to mirror the A and B storyline, why not have more of the psycho homages, but in Corey's dreams, like or vertigo, like like actually someone falling from a high space and Mm. pushed is the plot of vertigo. And you could have done some Alfred Hitchcock Illusions, you know, like make it throughout, make it to where all of Corey's dreams have a consistent theme of murder, but they all echo Alfred Hitchcock movies. And that yeah. way, the psycho reference actually makes a lot more sense. And it's actually a reference instead of just like picking up pieces from it that aren't done well. Well, okay. So, Eric moves
1: in with his new roommate, roommate Adam, who has some red flags (laughs) right off the bat. I want to talk about this because there's some roommate red flags everyone needs to know about when they're looking for roommates. He goes, he has an abnormally nice home. He says, you can pay whatever you want. And he says, I can't seem to keep a roommate. Yeah. four (laughs) K. No. No. Get your shit out of there. The other thing I thought was interesting was that part of the reason Eric even... Entertains the idea of staying with Adam is because of the sexy roommate Sheila Shagan, the yeah. neighbor next door, who oh, also thinks air. I love the awesome power <laughs> reference. It immediately brought me back to 99. Um, but yeah, that's the only reason he really stays there is the hope of you know hooking up with the Sheila chick. The whole thing, I'm just like, it's interesting. I get the plot of it, but as we've already referenced, friends did this a thousand times better with the character of Eddie who moves in and replace of Joey who leaves Chandler. And he is this awkward, weird roommate who just makes life so like uncomfortable for Chandler. It's a much funnier and better way of going about this because by making Adam so wildly crazy, you just fear for Eric's life more than you get this lesson that they're trying to teach, which is that, Hey, Eric, here's a lonely person who is, Odd and weird because he just doesn't have people, and you can relate to him. But it's like, no, he's a crazy person who's talking to a dead bird and is pretending to be his dead mom. It's absolutely like,
0: give us a slow ramp up, like they did with Eddie. Like in that episode of Friends, Eddie does like. He starts off very much like, "Hmm, that's odd. And it just slowly increases until you're like, this guy's got to go. They
1: increase it over three episodes, actually, in Friends. So it's not all at once. So it really slow burns. And I know they don't have the option to do that here, but they do it really well there. But
0: you could have slow burned in scenes. Like, give yep. us a little bit of stuff. Also, Sheila doesn't seem to have any problem with him, so there would be something to say that, oh, he's not that bad. Like, I want other people to consider that he's crazy. Or that he's great when Sheila's around, but the moment mm. he leaves, he has, like, a split personality. Like, that would be a amazing situation. But, like, again, it's just, like, there's no real thought into this, and in this premise. And he's just immediately crazy immediately someone that we should as you said be concerned about yeah. uh, and to your point it's just like yeah but he hasn't really threatened anyone the way that Corey did and yet we are suspicious of him because his behavior is weird and to your point the real thing when you were like oh they're trying to teach us with eric i was like they were there was a lesson with the eric storyline but then you brought it back and it was just like oh the, this is how lonely people behave and lonely yeah. people can seem odd to others.
1: Great. I greatness. really wish they would have dug into that a lot more. I like when they were like, Adam's like, I'm going to be forever alone. Eric stops and empathize with him. He's like, dude, I was betrayed by my family, my friends. I'm kicked out. I don't have anyone. I know what it's like to face the world all by myself. And to Eric's credit, for a while, he tries to actually make it work with Adam. He's doing the, he's playing with the dead bird. He's calling him in the same room and he's trying to go along with his like interesting quirks. And it's at that point that Adam's like, oh, I can show you my crazy. Let me go get my dead
0: mom from the kitchen. we've (laughs) already gone crazy, first of all. And I think that's important because again, it's like, it just ramped up immediately. It wasn't no slow burn. And by having that scene where we've already realized that he is crazy, Mm. or like crazy is a very strong word, but we already realized that this may not be a safe situation for Eric. But then Sheila comes over and he's like, you know, I can stay a little bit. Like, Mm. like after he says the whole thing of I can relate, and Adam's like, so you'll stay? And he's like, oh, (laughs) that we already have our resolution there. We understand that this dude is not a safe space, but Eric has already made the choice to stay for the sake of being closer to Sheila. The uh, little button on the episode where we get, and he's like, oh, I'm going to amp up the crazy. It's like, you didn't need to amp up the crazy. You already had gotten there, and this would have been a great opportunity to up the stakes in a different way, i.e. have Sheila be someone where it's like, oh, You're also someone who I should be concerned about, you know, like that, like, like, have Sheila play along with the um, dead mother or, you know, something. Have Sheila be just as weird
1: as he is. And that's revealed something. (laughs) Yeah, I really am. Like I said, I know they did this for humor, the ramp up. I thought it would have been far more interesting to have this be more like Eric's version of alternative friends mm-hmm. where like at first he meets someone who's a very odd duck but then like he's like you know what I'm kind of an odd duck too and we're gonna find a way to kind of make this work and you know what your world is kind of seems a little weird and crazy to me but you know what my world seems weird and crazy to a lot of people and I'm willing to play in the sandbox with you I kind of really liked that and when they amped it up I got disappointed where I was just like oh so this whole episode was for nothing for Eric. Like this literally, what was the point of any of this? If there isn't any growth, if Eric's not able to see in himself, like, hey, maybe my takeaway from all of this is that I need to open up myself to new people and new experiences, regardless of how strange they may seem on the surface. That just feels like a much better way to cap his storyline than just have him have this awful experience and end up back on his
0: parents' couch. Well, to that (laughs) point, we open up with, we open up the episode with Sean, well, Corey's dream, To where Corey's like, hey, Eric deserves to move back home. Or needs to move back home with Rachel and Jack. Like, that's what Corey's subconscious is saying. And there's a scene where Rachel and Jack run into Eric. It almost makes logical sense that the end of this episode is Eric being like, I need to go back to Rachel and Jack. Or him Again, being defiant, as you said, like last week's episode would have been, had he been like, actually, you know what? I'm actually hurting. If in this episode, Eric had been like, we get a scene of Eric outside the door and he hears Jack and Rachel laughing and he just turns away. Again, he just can't do it. That's Mm -hmm. a whole other thing. And that gives that this arc that we're on weight. But instead, we get nothing and we look like, and what i mean by nothing is like we don't get a resolution eric doesn't end up anywhere as far as we know he's still looking for a place to sleep tonight
1: he's still sleeping on the pool table in the student union exactly. is the takeaway
0: and so that and we don't even get that so this is what i mean by where you were like it goes nowhere it's like yeah you really did set us up for there to be some kind of resolution even if it's even if it's eric going to the apartment Because he's like, I can't stay with Adam. And then realizing that he'd rather stay with Adam than spend one more day with Jack and Rachel. That's something. Or back to his parents' couch. Or, again, trying to Topanga or sleeping. I would have taken Eric hiding under Corey and sean's bed you know what i mean like oh i thought the next step was
1: him knocking on feeney's door asking to stay with him and the dean i like i just thought something else was going to come and you know what even Corey's storyline has kind of a button of like oh he was dreaming of killing his best friend and now he kind of realizes that metaphorically he's going to have to do some kind of you know death to their current relationship at least it has like a there's somewhere for Corey to go after this. This episode was significant for his character for a reason. I can't make that argument for Eric with this episode. So it feels Absolutely. like
0: a uh The only thing I will note, because uh, I meant to note it last episode, is this is like the second episode in a row where we see Eric going after girls again. And I, mm. just, I, I just remember, A, I remember listening to the pod, pod, but B, I remember there was this whole stretch where I'm like, Eric doesn't really, like, he's not going on dates. Like, there was a time where he was, like, interested in Rachel. But, like, even then, it's just like, what is Eric doing? Like, he used to be the ladies' man and, like, girl after girl. And they haven't done that in a while. And then the Rachel storyline came in, and that was its own situation. But it's also kind of nice to see them use someone as hot, as attractive, as Wolf Friedle at this time be back in the girls again. It's like I know that the pod is kind of like, "Oh, Eric's only in the girls." I'm like, "At least that's something. It's way better than I don't know, Eric's quirky."
1: Well, it's just it also like to me from a storyline doesn't make sense to have someone as attractive of Wilfred just not get any attention whatsoever. It's like even like being quiet, like this dude is constantly making people laugh like he has great hair like he's clearly handsome like why are we pretending that he is struggling you know what it is it's that she's all that thing where it's just like I don't believe that this girl is unattractive in any circumstance keep the overalls and the glasses on Rachel Lee Cook is Rachel Lee Cook like I just can't <laughs> buy it and like it this. It feels like that's what they want us to believe with Eric is just that because he's struggling, he's not getting attention from girls. Or maybe it's a self-esteem thing, but it's like, no, he's he's, you know, on paper attractive. It's just it's crazy.
0: Again, to your point, I would love for someone like for girls to constantly be going up to him and he just has like a nervous breakdown where they're like, whoa, yeah. I don't want any part of this. Like, I think that that makes sense for this character at this point in time.
1: Make it a mental block that he has to overcome versus like actual limitations of the attention he gets from others.
0: Absolutely. It's really funny. Uh, I, I think we can kind of wrap this up because do you have anything yeah, else yeah. to say? Uh, no, I no, just no, no, wanted no. to say that it's funny to me because I was, someone had mentioned uh, when they were listening to our pod that they, they were like, I love that you guys love the show. And I was like, yeah, no, we love these characters we want better for these characters a hundred percent we like i know we're very critical of a lot of like these episodes but it's because it's like you don't have to do much one or two lines and you've saved this episode it's when it seems like you didn't know where you were going or where you took us wasn't worth the ride that's when we get frustrated
1: And if we didn't care about the characters, one, we would not be talking about them as if they're real people in real circumstances. And two, we wouldn't be expecting and wanting more for them if we didn't care about them, if we didn't understand the history of these characters, to understand, you know, that we've been watching Topanga's journey for six seasons, and now it's just like, well, what the hell are they doing with this character? I feel like it's kind of disrespectful to her and the audience a little bit. Like, it's because we want more. And they... Don't get me wrong. They've given us so much. It's 30 years later. We're still talking about this shit. Like, clearly we're obsessed. But to your point, we just, we need, mm, we need some completion.
0: Yeah, but I feel like at this point in time, the writing is of a mindset of you should be grateful you're getting anything. And I think that's what it is. It's just like, again, how hard would it have been to make these two storylines actually have stakes, actually have buttons, actually show like what what you're doing and what Boy Meets World has always done has kind of been to pave the road for a generation ahead. Like Corey's doing all of these things first. So the idea that Corey is engaged and nervous about getting married, the idea that Eric feels betrayed by his friends and it feels aimless so much that he goes to live with a stranger all of those are things that people will inevitably experience. And I'm happy that they've brought them up. It's just that they bring them up and then they go nowhere. And it's like you're the show that championed yourself as look at what we're teaching the next generation. And you stopped yeah. teaching. That's that's how I feel.
1: Uh, I, yeah. I, it just feels like they were phoning it in at a certain point. And it also feels like the actors were kind of, and and not saying it because we've been commenting on how great Will and Ben's performances are, but I would have to imagine if I were actor playing these characters and to see them continue to make the same mistakes over and over again, to continue, uh, you know, having, you know, being a woman cast member and having all of your storylines revolve around these dudes who never learn shit. I would just imagine it gets old after a while. And I, I feel like, you know, you play the games best when you love them. And you, yes. you're
0: having fun playing it.
1: And it just feels like people are not really having as much fun playing the games as they used to. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't no, know. No, I
0: agree with you. It's as I said, I've repeated several times in the last few episodes. It seems like everyone's over Corey. And like I like maybe that helps their performances, but very much you like when Sean is like, Yeah, he's at it again. And yeah. something is like, yeah, that's what he does. It's like, yeah, no, this is these are people who I believe would be fatigued with someone like Corey making the same mistakes over and over again. So I feel like those performances are believable, but you're like, how much of this is also the writers just kind of bored?
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know what? I have to say, um, I'm glad they got another season because if this were the last season and this were like how we were ending, it would be
0: kind of a bummer. Absolutely agree. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the... Uh, okay, bruh moment what was the bra moment for you this episode uh
1: the bra moment um uh, <laughs> I it, I guess the overall bro moment I have is this concept of that you need to kill everyone else in your life who would be a distraction from your sole significant other who you should dedicate everything to and form a codependency with. And like this whole lesson that we're supposed to be walking away with, I think is really unhealthy, not only to young viewers, but to even like college age kids who are in these quasi serious relationships when they're maybe too young to be. Like it just, it, it, it paints this image of marriage as a sentence. Yeah. As something that like, you know you have to sacrifice and it's like it's just like it doesn't need to be any of that and it just
0: feels kind of archaic
1: yeah and i just i just feel like it's a a bruh moment for sure in terms of how it's aged how about you
0: uh that was my bru moment that was what i actually was going to say uh i feel like i have if i want to contribute i have like a bruh second <laughs> like a Ooh, blip yeah. What's just like the treatment of sheila in this is like well that's unfortunate you know like just oh i'm slutty and dumb and I came over here in a towel because I do lock sometimes. I
1: locked myself out, out of my sh- after my shower again. Yeah. How many times this has happened, Sheila? It just yeah.
0: It was very yeah. much like a, well that's unfortunate. Uh I will say I thought that they brought back Linda Cardellini in the right way. Yeah, you know what? I, I, we didn't really get to talk about that, but as a kid,
1: this was a drop my jaw moment when she came out. I was, I not was expecting surprised. her. I
0: did. It said in the notes she's in this episode. And I was like, that must be wrong
1: <laughs> for her to come out and for Corey to just be like, kind of confronting her again. This girl who played such a huge role in, you know, where he is with. Who knows if they would even be mar- engaged right now, getting married if it wasn't for her. You know what I mean? Like, really, like she was kind of the cat for all of this happening and so it's really interesting for her to be brought back but for them to not really explore the role that she played how she kind of forced the hand in the in terms of engagement in terms of maybe she's the reason why Topanga didn't want to go to Yale because Topanga was worried that another Lauren would come around and like there's just shit we could talk about
0: I love it I'm with you like that that's I already love it um so no. yeah uh, I think we kind of covered this, but what are you labeling the Feeney lesson? The
1: Feeney lesson is um, there's no such thing as a well-priced apartment. true, If it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. That's the thing about roommates. And I feel like that's probably the lesson that I would recommend everyone walking away with. If it looks too good to be true, it's because of this.
0: Uh, I'm actually gonna take a moment and give Feeney the Feeney lesson because I think that Feeney's idea of dreams are symbols, don't take them too seriously. But also, like, you gotta finish the dream. You know, like you're reading all this stuff into it. W- where is that dream leading you? Like you gotta go through it. You, you gotta, gotta go, go through, through it. it. Like I thought I thought that was really helpful. Uh, what grade are you giving this?
1: Uh, I'm gonna give this episode like a D
0: plus. I love it. We are in that same space again where I'm like C minus. And I think we've done this the last few where I'm like, uh, this is by the way, this is rated way higher than it should be on IMDB. I think it's rated like an 8.5. And now that I've said it out loud, I think it's only because Linda Cardellini is in it. There is no reason for this to be rated. A (laughs) hundred percent. And I also think
1: that there was a time where this idea of Corey making way, you know, making room in his life for his sole future bride was seen as very romantic, was seen as like a rom-com, like you want a guy to do this kind of thing in the way that I think maybe charmed, like, People who found their relationship aspirational. I, I'm not really sure what it is, but it, watching it now, it feels like there's. <laughs> it just doesn't feel like there's any substance there. So
0: I wish Uh-oh. you could see my faces there. every time you were saying. I was like, eh. mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> I just updated the rating. My rating of this episode <laughs> on IMDb. I was like, this this cannot stand. Other people need to speak out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and homework. What homework do you have?
1: um my homework is gonna be letting you go
0: first sir (laughs) isn't it been the case (laughs) Uh, you know what is so funny this week i for whatever reason got back into steven universe and i know that the listeners know a while ago i was like talking about steven universe and how much i loved it Uh, i started watching steven universe future because i never like it the original series ended, and then they had a movie and then they had a spinoff that was like an older or 16 year old Steven. um, and I had never watched it. So I was like, oh, let me sit down and watch this. as fantastic as I thought it would be as like if we want to talk about the next generation of like teaching lessons that needed to be learned. Oh my God, like Steven Universe this is just right up there. And I don't, I, I honestly, I'm gonna put this over to you. I don't think you could talk about male gropes and emotional uh, intelligence without actually watching Steven Universe. You gotta okay. watch it, dude. It's so well done. And it's the other uh, day, I'm gonna be really quick with this. The other day, I was watching an episode where, of course, everyone has magical powers or whatever. Steven. Um, is 16 now, but he they play a game of, like, tag Steven, something like this, where all of his aunts essentially turn into, like, the younger version of him, and that was the game they played when you were a kid. You magically shapeshift into a younger version of him. And so he, of course, by the story goes, eventually gets tagged, and they're like, you gotta change into that, those are the rules, you gotta change into the younger version of yourself. And he does so, but he says my biggest fear is that you guys only see me as this. I'm not this anymore. And then he shapeshifts again and he's older. He's like, this is who I am. And I need you to see me that way. And I was like, what a great episode where one, the aunts are like, you don't have fun anymore. You need to be the joyful, loving little kid that you used to be. Never lose that joy. Great lesson. But then, for them to turn around and then teach the aunt a lesson and be like, "Hey, by the way, I know who I used to be, but I'm not that anymore, and yeah. I need to respect me for where I'm at now." I was like, "Lessons on both sides." I love this. So yeah, check it out.
1: <laughs> I will have to check it out. I've heard great things about Stephen Universe. So yeah, I definitely need to to get into it. Yeah. Um, For my homework, you know what? I'm going to give a shout out to fellow podcaster christy carlson romano she has a new podcast called uh vulnerable or yeah vulnerable with christy carlson romano she has just been doing great things in the online space i feel like in terms of a child actor who's able to kind of rebrand themselves and um transition into the kind of creator model that the internet's provided she's done a fantastic job she's killing it on youtube she's had a few podcasts but this one vulnerable i really love it's almost like This like she is ready to have the child star conversations like I just had uh, heard the episode she did with uh, Chelsea from um, uh, That's So Raven Um, fantastic podcast, but like she's sitting down with like a Disney star talking about like what it was actually like and, you know, hearing her hearing pod meets world hearing brotherly love, um, I think the people who like there's a few other casts right now who are doing podcasts where they're just kind of deconstructing their experience. You know, you just have to kind of commend these, like, our generation of child stars who are doing it different, who are like, you know what, we've seen the way everyone else has done this. Maybe therapy and maybe an open forum to talk about and decompress our experiences is a healthier way to transition out of this or into something better. And, you know, I just think Christy Carlson Romano is doing an amazing, amazing job. And so I just I encourage people to check out her
0: podcast. Yeah, it's so funny. I just watched a clip from her podcast where she interviewed the guy Zeke from Wizard of Waverly Place. Mm, And he was talking about how he's more famous now for his OnlyFans account than he was while being on the show and what that has done for him. And I was like, oh, y'all are having conversation conversations. (laughs) Like, everything's on the table. Okay, I'm here for it. Um, And to your point, uh you and i talked about this uh during um when we were like listening to all those music videos from the oh, 2000s yeah. where i was like i'm actually really proud of our generation that we are kind of like going back and we're like wait 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 if this was the narrative we need to correct something <laughs> so like we are very happy to go back and set sure. things straight and be like actually it may seem like i was a child star and i had everything but i didn't have no money or <laughs> racism that Uh, almost kept Raven from being the star of her own shore whatever it is we are down to go back and be like this all that glitters is not gold and let me tell you behind the scenes
1: And, you know, yes, these are, you know, child stars and celebrities who are talking about their experiences, which are maybe on the more extreme side of things. But what they're actually getting at are just like what it's like to be a woman in a professional setting, what it's like to, you know, be a child exposed to adults who maybe don't have your best interests at heart, like what it's like to be seen as a sexual object, what it's like to transition out of a successful career. These are all things that people can relate to, even if it's not at the extreme that they're experiencing so even them just being brave enough to have those conversations openly really allows us as just the the public to kind of have an easier time talking about our experiences
0: absolutely uh is this where you tell me about your OnlyFans account oh i mean i I was saying to say that being vulnerable i didn't know like (laughs) i'll get that back guys let me know oh Might i have not against no. the bag anyway <laughs> <laughs> all right uh thank you guys for tuning into brown world don't forget to leave us a rating review find us in all the places where there are podcasts you're listening to it right now so hopefully Sorry. you found us um uh, make sure that you keep up with us follow us message us at brown world on all the places um gmail.com uh t anything else
1: Yeah, just, you know, make sure that you guys tell us what you think about this episode. What did you guys think about Lauren's return? What did you think about, you know, Eric's new roommate? How do you feel about the way that they've been, you know, showing uh, Topanga and Corey's engagement? Like, let us know your thoughts in the comments of whatever, you know, you're watching this in like social media, YouTube, whatever. Uh, Yeah, just let us know your thoughts because we'd love to get your impression on everything that's happening with the show.
0: Absolutely. Oh, the to, to that point. I'm pretty sure. And I uh I watched it twice, but I need to like note when Sean comes in, he says, Your boyfriend is driving me crazy to Topanga. And I was like, That's our fiance. And again, the show doesn't really acknowledge the fact that they're engaged, except like the like that one scene where is in a wedding dress. I was like, I need more people to be like, That's your fiance. Like it it should feel like there's a wedding coming, people. It don't <laughs> <laughs> Until remember. then, I guess it's just time to remember to dream. Try. And do good.
1: Do some damn good. Later, guys.
0: Later, bras. When the spawn
1: meets, boy.